This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com. Please welcome the CEO of Kayak, Steve Hafner, in conversation with Skift senior travel tech editor, Sean O'Neill. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us for this event. Uh, my colleague, Dennis Schall, executive editor, uh, he says hello. He's sorry he can't be here. He was supposed to do this interview, and at the last minute he had a snafu, but um, he'll see you at the next event, Steve. Sounds good, Sean. Thanks for having me. I miss like having applause when I walk up to the stage. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, but thanks, thanks for watching live. Yeah, bring it up for Steve. Bring it up for Steve. <laughs> Thank you for coming in also from Florida for this event live. Um, so we just heard from my colleague, Seth Borg from Skift Research, he was talking about uncertainty is the new certainty. And one of his points that he was making is that um, companies should respond to uncertainty by trying to experiment with new business models. What's your sort of take on that? How intuitive does that sound to you from your perspective at Kayak? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an accurate trend. Uh, and, I, and I don't think it's a very surprising one either. But uh, you know, what we're seeing on, the, on Kayak, for example, we partnered with Hopper to have some of their FinTech on our site which is basically just a fancy word for insurance. Um, <laughs> and we are seeing some uptake from it. So right now, it's about 4% of our travel, travelers are, are using um, you know, some form of their insurance or cancellation policies. And we've also seen that there's been a shift of folks away from non-refundable fares, non-refundable uh, hotel rates to fully refundable. So we'll see how durable that is. I, I tend to think that as things settle down, and the price differences between those two get narrowed, that people will go back to, to saving a buck or two. Okay, one of, let's, let's talk about the consumer booking patterns. So one of our skip mega trends is that premium leisure is something that's going to be uh, much stronger. Uh, our, my colleagues at Airline Weekly, hi, okay. My colleagues at Airline Weekly have been listening to a lot of the airline executives uh, be saying that they're surprised that premium economy is sort of more robust than they expected. Uh, Delta on someone's Boeing 767s is adding some more premium economy. Uh, British Airways is also adding some. And I'm wondering, like, how is it for Kayak? Because in MetaSearch, the classic model, you're going to lowest price first. So how can you sort of take advantage of, like, premium economy? Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's a still a small percentage of the seats that we sell. People still like to see the lowest price first. I mean, we, we've been testing a variety of displays where we actually show for a given flight up to four different fare classes or, or bundle types. And premium economy obviously is the second most ordered after basic economy. Okay. Uh, so we, we, we do show that. Um, you know, I, I read an interesting article in the, in the Wall Street Journal about, uh, about premium economy and how the airlines are, I think, overplaying it a bit because they're losing so much money from business class because right. that travel hasn't come back yet. And we'll see what happens. And you know, hopefully business travel does come back and maybe some of those premium economy seats get converted back into, into full business seats. Well, let's follow up on that article because I thought that was very interesting too. And one of the things they said is the investment analysts said that about 50, they, their prediction was on average uh, 2019 levels, corporate travel will come back to about 15% below uh, what it was in 2019 for the next few years. Does that seem to you um, conservative, or does that seem about right, or is you, are you more optimistic? Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm a, an optimist by nature, but I think that's probably an accurate number. You know, I, I just look at the way we're traveling at Kayak and Open Table, and it's nowhere close to where it used to be. And I don't anticipate as we're sitting our budgets for 2022, by the way, uh, we're not anticipating that going back. Okay. Um, so I guess 
does that reset your relationships with some suppliers? Because one of the points that article made out was like made was that full service hotels and traditional network carriers are going to not be able to get back to 2019 level profitability unless they have the corporate bank bounces back fully. So they might change their relationship with online demand partners like Kayak. Do, do you see like there's any change in the relationship that you expect? I don't think so. I mean, there's not enough money at Kayak for them to squeeze their way back to profitability. <laughs> and that's probably true for most of the other OTAs too, particularly on the airline side. You know, they, they need to, to get fares up. And if they can't do that by averaging business class and leisure, then, well, they're going to convert business class seats to more leisure and try to raise the leisure fares. And we, we've seen that in our data. So, you know, if you look at the average airline fare domestically versus uh, 2019, it's actually up 5 to 7%. Interesting. Uh, but, you know, they've got a long way to go to try to close that profit gap. But, you know, I think there's a, a lot of smart minds at the airlines trying to figure it out. And they're not banking on uh, business travel coming back okay. to the same extent. One of my points Seth was making, you try to ex- experiment with more business models, and Kayak has been with Kayak Hotels. Um, uh, you opened in March at Miami Beach. Uh, you've got Playa del Carmen in Mexico coming to there, coming online. Uh, will there be more? I-, I guess I was very surprised looking at sort of the career page of Kayak in the past few months, and you guys have been advertising hev- with a lot of positions for Kayak Hotels. You're very serious about this. You've got people concerned about brand and customer service and opening things, so you're really going all in on a hotel, is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's a big idea for us, but I, but I think it's, uh, it, it's a problem that needs to be solved. Has anyone here been to Kayak Miami Beach? One person. Oh, you have, you have. I hope you liked it. So, the, I mean, the most important thing about the experience for us is do the guests have a good time? So, you know, we opened our first hotel back in March in Miami. We got lucky choosing the location because everyone's in Miami right now. <laughs> There's a lot more. If we were having this conference in Miami, it would be full and you guys wouldn't be wearing masks. Um, you know, and then we did the same thing with two new locations in Playa del Carmen. And you will see additional locations coming soon, um, not just in the U.S., but also in Europe. And the whole idea is let's take our demand, um, so folks who use Kayak and our sister brands at, at Booking Holdings, and channel that into properties that have a great tech experience. Uh, so that means we, the, the hotels themselves will be avenues for people to download our apps. And in our search results, consumers can see which hotels actually interact with our apps. So it's a kind of a virtual cycle. And the, the idea is elevate the guest experience that way, but also take staffing and cost out of the hotel, which, uh, which I think will make the hotels a lot more profitable. So you joined us at a Skift event in December 2019 right here on the same stage, and you talked about this opportunity that online travel companies have to get in their hands more in the supply side. Yep. And you said that you had this vision for Kayak that it could help with streamlining operations, you say, for independent hotels and um, helping the guest experience. And you also talked about how maybe the Kayak app could be like a, a, the key that a guest might use to open. Or Where is your development on sort of that part of the vision? Yeah, we're still faking a lot of that. Um, <laughs> the, the Playa del Carmen property is the first one where the Kayak app will unlock it. Uh, we had to install new locks there to get that done, um, which we first had to source in China, then they shipped to Europe, and then it got stuck in U.S. <laughs> Customs, and then we finally got it uh, into, into Mexico and installed. So... You know, we're, we're figuring our way through this. Um, the pandemic has made some of these operationally challenging, and I still have 250 of these locks in my apartment in Miami, <laughs> actually, for us to install in our Miami hotel. Interesting. So I was talking with my colleague, Lily Germa, before this, and she was saying, but what exactly is, she was trying to imagine what the Kayak brand like, feels like, who is it targeted for? Is it a Gen X, is it Gen Z? Like, 
Do you have any, any color that you can give on that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly targeted towards millennials, people who are willing to travel off the beaten path or that they're, um, they want to be in city centers and uh, neighborhoods that you can walk around and do a lot of stuff and that are very comfortable with uh, using apps, right? So this, we're not going to take customers away from Marriott, um, but will we take customers away from Soho House? I think so. So, you know, the, the brand touch points, if you experience Kayak Miami Beach or the other places that, that we've opened or are in queue, it's, it's more like an inclusive Soho house is kind of how I think an about it. An inclusive Soho house. That's right. Yeah, not a, not a lead Soho house. I, I'm a member there, but trust <laughs> me, people, yeah, we have a very different clientele. Okay. Um, I, I guess I was wondering sort of a bit, like, some independent hoteliers use Airbnb as a channel to sell their hotels, just like other channels. Would Kayak put its hotels on Airbnb? Yeah, we're, our, we're on Airbnb. So okay. Kayak Hotel, uh, Kayak Miami Beach, uh, Airbnb fills about 2% of the rooms. Okay. Um, one thing that you, you, said, you sort of took a crack a little earlier that Kayak, you know, there isn't that much margin for hoteliers or suppliers to airlines to sort of... Uh, uh, try to find in the online travel resellers. But whenever we at Skift interview like hotels or airlines, they always have this impression that the online travel has much better margins. Um, and so what is the logic of online travel company sort of leaving its core competency and getting into something that seems like a lower margin business? It doesn't seem intuitive. Yeah, look, I, we're, we're not getting into the hotel business to have a huge hotel business and, and make a lot of money from it. You know, if we actually operate that just at break even, we'll, we'll be content. We're looking at it as being a, a great way to get downloads of our apps and to get consumers loyal to using Kayak, regardless if they're going to stay at one of our hotels or not. So, you know, we, we approach it very differently. And, you know, with regard to the margins, look, if you're a hotelier or you're an airline, it's expensive to fly planes and to pay for staff and to pay for your gas. And, and we're familiar with that on the hotel side now that we own these things or operate these things. But, um, you know, there, again, Distribution cost is such a small piece of the overall value chain that, that uh, you can't squeeze distribution to make your way back to profitability, particularly for the airlines. Okay. Let's move on to business travel. One, one of our uh, mega trends is that uh, corporate travel is now firmly in the grip of CFOs because, uh, you know, a lot of businesses found that they could successfully run without having as much travel. Uh, and also another mega trend is that remote work is sort of defining a, a new socialization of business travel because you're going to have a lot more off-sites, on-sites, and it's going to be travel related to that. So I guess you have Kayak for Business. Uh, you relaunched it in July. Um, you have about 3,000 partners signed up then, and now you're up to about 10,000 right. partners. Uh, my colleague Dennis Shaw was like, how is that possible on this level of depressed uh, business travel? How did you manage to sign up so many people? Yeah, well, I'd like a, a Trip Actions or a Travel Perk uh, or their ilk. We actually have a lot of people using Kayak already who are familiar with our brand. So all we need to do is cross-market Kayak for Business on the front door of our, of our website, and we get the sign-ups, particularly when we don't charge people for that. <laughs> and it's got great features that you know, the public version of Kayak doesn't have like travel policies and expense reporting, and, uh, and, and now Southwest Airlines fares. So, right, so you know, Southwest became a partner of... Yeah, so it, you know, for, for those of you who are, who are watching or, or, or listening here in the crowd, if you want to see Southwest fares on Kayak, create a Kayak for Business account, and you'll see their fares right in our search results, which is pretty darn cool. And you buy directly through them. And that's interesting for so because for like three decades they've kind of been a holdout on on the channel, right? Yeah, I've been making that sales call for a long time. <laughs> 
Um, you mentioned a couple of other players like Travel Perk and, and Trip Actions. Like, how does what is the pitch that Kayak for Business has that that makes it why come to you guys instead of some of the other players that are out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're an adjunct to whatever the company's already doing. So we're not necessarily looking for them to switch systems to us. But, uh, you know, if they have a, for companies that have a problem with compliance, you know, where they have a lot of people who use Kayak instead of using their corporate travel platform, this helps fix that. Ah, interesting. Right? So we can, they can import their policies. They don't have to pay us for it. Um, it integrates with Concur or anything else that they're using for the expense platform. So it's, a, it's an adjunct. It's, it's just an addition. And for companies that don't have corporate travel policies or a corporate travel manager, it's a vast improvement from using the public version of Kayak. Cool. I want to ask a couple of questions on marketing. I'm going to call for a video. This is a, one of your most recent kayak ads that you dropped uh, about kayak deniers. And so I'm going to ask you sort of how it fits into your, your philosophy and strategy, if we could call that video. Here we go. Remember, mom is a kayak denier, so please don't bring it up. Bring what up? Kayak? Excuse me? Do the research, Todd. Listen to me. Kayak searches hundreds of travel sites to find you great deals on flights, cars, and hotels. They're lying to you. Who's they? Kayak? <laughs> Open your eyes. Compare hundreds of travel sites at once. Kayak. Search one and done. So, and you, there's another version that dropped yesterday where it's uh, uh, the husband in the relationship is doing it. So what, how does this sort of fit into sort of your marketing campaign? Yeah, I mean, look, overall, we're a pretty irreverent brand. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And, and we've been saying the same message of search one and done for, I think, 18 years now. So, you know, we have to take some risk with our creative. I think we're only running this in the U.S., and it, it taps into the, the little zeitgeist of the moment, which is, you know, you've got a pretty divided country. So we're trying to bring a little bit of levity to that. And, uh, and hopefully it works. Yeah, cool. Uh, my other marketing question is Dennis Shaw was wondering, he was looking at, Skift Research put out a fact book on online travel agencies uh, in December and sort of compared side by side uh, the performance and metrics of the various companies. And uh, Airbnb had 28% of its revenue uh, it spent on marketing, whereas for the booking holdings conglomerate, it was about 35%. And Dennis was wondering, like, how, how, how long do you think that's going to change? Do you think that's going to stay static? Do you think booking will improve, Airbnb will change in performance? You know, I don't think Airbnb uh, feels compelled to do marketing because they have such a strong brand. One of the things Brian and his team have done really well is to, is to create a verb, right? <laughs> and when you create a verb, you don't have to spend as much money on, on Google. And uh, what money they did spend on brand marketing wasn't for consumers, it was for, to attract hosts, which, uh, which I think was really smart. So I, I don't think their, their brand spend is going to go up that much. I think that's, a, that's an opinion that's shared by most uh, investors in Airbnb. Everyone's like, oh, their margins are going to increase as they get bigger because you know, their brand spend doesn't have to, doesn't have to scale the same way. Uh, Booking.com and our sister brands, you know, I think we'll continue to spend aggressively on marketing. You know, we, um, we get good repeat and loyalty out of consumers. I'd love to have uh, the brand awareness that Airbnb has for all of our sister brands and for Kayak, for that matter, and OpenTable. But we'll get there. Okay. A couple of uh, big picture questions. Um, what is something that you find really dumb right now uh, or sort of overhyped in either travel? It could be online travel supply or investing in travel. Um, there's lots of different things that are out there for whether it's SPACs, uh, Sondra debuted today, <clears throat> there's uh, subscriptions, um, blockchain, crypto, any number of things. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the, the building blocks like, like uh, crypto or blockchain, 
uh, or even the fintech stuff is really interesting. I just think the valuations are totally divorced from uh, where, the, where the market opportunity is. You know, when I, when I see a, a, you know, a corporate travel company like TripActions or TravelPerk raise a ton of dough at a $7 billion valuation, I'm like, someone's going to lose a lot of money on that. Uh, <laughs> and it's not going to be me. You know? So we'll see. Um, look, there, there clearly will be some category winners out there, um, particularly in alternative accommodations. But I don't know, even if you won that category, if you're, still, if you're worth $4 billion. You know, and the same, I, I'd make the same comment about our stock price. I mean, we're trading at all-time highs right now, and our business isn't where it used to be. Okay. Uh, and then uh, one of our other mega trends for this year, my colleagues at Airline Weekly have uh, sort of noticed that the last mile of travel is being stitched together by a lot of travel companies. Airlines are investing in FTALs or um, uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. Um, United and others have poured a lot of money into these companies. You do the, the, you know, the Miami to New York route a lot. Do you, do you feel like there's a real, would, would you fly an air taxi? Or do you feel like this is a pain point that's, that has a real market opportunity? I don't think the market opportunity is as big as people think it could be, you know, if you just look at what, where Blade has their routes, for example, helicopter transfers only work in about 10 cities globally, okay. you know, because most of the time it's more convenient and cheaper to drive. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have rivers that you need to go over or uh, deadlock bridges. But um, vertical takeoff and landing, I think, is interesting once they make it electric. I mean, Electric helicopters would be great because if you live in the Hamptons, you won't get disturbed anymore, uh, which I think is their, their major market opportunity, honestly. Uh, but the airlines, look, they, they want to invest, um, and it's also a good bullet point for their sustainability uh, discussions. For sure, yeah, and we don't want to buzz Martha Stewart's house or anything, you know, if we can avoid it. I think a lot of people want to buzz her house, actually. <laughs> but. Uh, remote work, uh, one of our, our uh, mega trends is that remote work is yeah. leading to a, you know, a greater socialization of business travel. How does Kayak sort of, where you're shaking out remote work? Are you staying, going to be staying permanent remote work or how do you? Oh, uh, you know, we, our offices have pretty much stayed open the whole pandemic, uh, and, but we moved to a voluntary attendance and people are voting with their feet. So most of our offices are only 10 to 15% occupied on any given day. So, you know, you don't have to be a, a genius to figure out we've got too much real estate. And I think that's probably true for just about everybody. So I don't, I don't think work's going to return to normal. I think people have figured out over the last couple of years that commuting sucks and that they don't have to do it. And if you have a good rapport with your um, colleagues at work, you can figure it out. So you know, I, I expect that we're going to downsize our offices. Um, we'll still have offices because people need a, a place to, to meet, but uh, we don't need 85% overcapacity. And do you, do you think if everyone should like downscale some of the office, do you, Expedia Group had its um, uh, headquarters, TripAdvisor, it's sort of an edifice conflict, uh, con uh, complex as soon as you, uh, uh, it's a Sports Illustrated curse, as soon as you build like a fancy headquarters, something bad happens. Do you think they should sell their headquarters? Uh, you know, I'm not going to give Expedia advice. I think, you know, their team is, is very sharp at what they do, but uh, I wouldn't have gotten that in the first place. Okay. We have some audience questions. Um, what will the changes in working remotely mean for future travel experiences? I think we'll have more of them, actually. You know, so I, um, my personal experience and the experience of our team members is people are still traveling, uh, and when they go, they go for longer and they go to cooler places. So when you work from anywhere, that means, I think, more travel on the leisure side. And I think you'll see a lot more combination of business and leisure trips too. But I think it's, it's actually a really cool thing that Zoom happened, right? Um, so you know, if you're liberated from, a, from an office, you can go to a lot of other places. And we, and we have that policy now at Kayak. So 
If you're in the US, uh, you can move anywhere around the US. We don't care. Uh, if you're in Europe, you can move anywhere around the EU. Um, there's a little caveat there, which is don't go to a state where we don't pay taxes. But other than that, uh, you know, you're, you're good to go. And how does it, so uh, there's, there's a hiring crunch. Uh, one of our things we talk about is the, the hiring crunches, our, our mega trends. How do you handle it, like getting the best technical talent? Because Kayak has to compete in so many markets with some of the big giant tech companies for, and also on sales and marketing. It's yeah, it's funny. After we had this uh, shift to, you know, total, totally voluntary and remote first work environment, um, the hiring challenges went away. You know, we, we don't have a problem hiring now, and, 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 you know, another big push for us is diversity and inclusion. You know, we want our workforce to, to look as, um, as diverse as the communities that we serve. And, you know, when you can have an office anywhere where you can work from anywhere, that makes that a lot easier to accomplish. So, you know, the last couple of months, we've hired, I think, 250 people. Wow. Um, the issue is people are leaving, too, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's the churn that's, that's getting us. But it's, a, it's an opportunity because as someone uh, leaves Kayak or Open Table. Um, the biggest complaint we used to have is that there wasn't enough room to promote from within because people had never left. But now with churn, we're, we're getting to promote people internally, and then we're getting fresh eyes from outside. So no, we're, we're, we're net addition to the, to the company. Hiring is not the problem. It's the churn that everyone needs to take a look at. Okay. Um, a question on business models. So you've had hacker fairs for quite some time. Yeah, long and, time. And so the idea is, uh, for people who don't know, for airlines that don't have a formal relationship with each other, maybe it's a low-cost carrier blended with a, a flight on one leg is on a low-cost carrier, and another part of the trip is on a network carrier. And putting it together, you have a bundle. There's a company in Europe, Kiwi.com, yeah. that has built a whole big business, and they do the virtual interlining, which they sort of add a layer of like mm -hmm. the insurance product on to try to do it a little more seamless. Why have you sort of not, you seem to have ceded that ground to the Kiwis of the world? Look, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Oliver. Oliver and Kiwi have been partners for, for Kayak since they started the company. Um, and the, the difference is I like to surface the fares that he finds, and we like to surface the fares that we find and, and show it to consumers. I don't want to service them. Okay. So what Oliver does is he actually provides the customer support and he does the billing for all that stuff. He's an online travel agency, but with just unique content. And, and a lot of his content, he gets from us. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, it's a very symbiotic relationship. I like our margins a lot better than his margins and, and uh, his staffing level. He, he's got more people than we do. And our business is a heck of a lot bigger. Gotcha. Uh, another audience question we have is, uh, how does Kayak see the whole super app approach for mobile devices evolving? Uh, you know, I'm, I don't think in Western markets super apps are going to hunt because uh, I think Android and, and iOS are, are the super apps. Mm -hmm. uh, in Eastern markets, or so in Asia, totally different, right? There, I think the super apps will rule the day. Uh, they already do in a lot of categories. Travel's not one of them yet, although in China it's starting to get that way. So I think, I think Grab, for example, as a, as a company is to, that we're paying close attention to. And there, I think if you have basically one ecosystem, one wallet, one communication platform, and a bunch of different e-commerce categories, it makes for a pretty compelling package. Uh, we have another audience question is, how will travel address the labor crisis? Do you think that there'll be more job opportunities? Uh, gosh, I mean, I spend most of my time thinking about how to take labor <laughs> out, of, uh, out of hotels now um, than, than adding it back. Look, I, I, I think we've got the lowest unemployment, at least here in the US, than we've had it for a long time, you know, sub 4%. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know that we need to add jobs so much here, and, but uh, I think up, um, 
upskilling the jobs is kind of where we need to go. So I'd, I'd rather have fewer people at the airline or at the hotels and, and more computer programmers okay. and developers, honestly. So uh, one thing that my colleague Lily Germa uh, is going to talk about a little bit more later is some of our megatrends. We're seeing some um, tourism. Some countries like Panama and Hawaii have become more thoughtful when they're crafting their tourism plans about including the local community's input and trying to find ways to avoid over-tourism coming back as we come out of the pandemic rebound. Um, Dennis Shaw has asked, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Fogel on stage at different times, you know, there's this challenge with online resellers in that to a certain extent, you just want to sort of like direct people to wherever it is that they want to go and let the market sort of go. Do you feel like online travel over the next 10 years is going to find some creative ways to sort of like play sort of more of a role about responsible travel, quote unquote? Yeah, I mean, I quibble a little bit with the idea of responsible travel. I, I like to spin it a different way, which is not everybody has to see Paris. There's, the, there's a lot of great other places to go. You know, if you're going to Italy, there's Venice, but there's a lot of other great places in Italy. So I think our, our, our challenge as an industry is how do we service, uh, serve up those options in a compelling way for our users so that you know, they don't go through a bucket list that has been the same bucket list for hundreds of years. Um, and then, you know, for the travel industry, for the suppliers, particularly on the accommodation side, you know, how, how do we actually add um, supply in those alternative um, destinations in a thoughtful way that doesn't negatively impact the locals who are already there? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of uh, destination marketing organizations who are trying to figure out how do I take advantage of demand shifts and behavior changes of consumers. So I think you're gonna see a lot of marketing from DMOs. Uh, we're already seeing that demand on Kayak, and uh, I think we'll all get our act together. But uh, it, it, it'll be great. I mean, I, you've been walking around New York today. New York is almost empty, right? It, it feels like a very it's different so place. It's so to look around. Uh, whereas if you go to Miami, Miami is full. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I wish some of those Miami folks would come back to New York and <laughs> even it out. So I think that, that, that shift will happen over time across lots of destinations. Um, my colleague Seth Borko, at the beginning, he was talking about uh, uh, unbundling of travel, and a lot of uh, travel suppliers are sort of unbundling things. The hotel that I'm uh, staying at here in New York, they have a $45 a night facility fee, which is not included in what the rate it is that you see. Uh, and I know Booking Holdings has sort of like taken, uh, different brands have taken different positions on this. Where do, you, where do you see Kayak on the whole resort and facility fee, and how does it sort of challenge you when you're creating MetaSearch? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we want to show everybody the all-in price so they can make apples-to-apples comparison. Uh, but uh, a lot of the suppliers don't, uh, don't make it easy, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we, we have a toggle that shows both um, the base price and the, and the total price, and we try to include all the resort fees and mandatory fees there. Uh, Kayak Miami Beach does not have a resort fee, by, for example, although it's something that we're looking at <laughs> because it's so meaningful for the hotel's profitability. And most of these hotels are like restaurants. They don't make very much money. Mm-hmm. So the resort fee is, is more about the, the hotel finding a way to offer you a lower teaser price and yet still make enough money to, to operate the facility. Okay. I had asked you a negative question before about what, are, what do you feel are like overhyped uh, concepts, but what do you think are really intriguing, cool concepts in either travel or you know, on the supply side or in online travel or startups, something that you think like, oh, that's a, that seems like it might have some promise. You'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. I mean, I spend most of my time right now thinking about the accommodation space, and, and I love the stuff that uh, the Saunders doing, for example, mm-hmm. the long-term stay um, and and a consistent experience in taking staff out of the, out of the operating model. 
uh, I, I'm bemused by how much money they're losing doing it. Because <laughs> uh, we would never be able to, you know, I could never go to my boss, Glenn Fogel, and say, we're going to lose, you know, 700 million bucks doing this stuff. But, um, <laughs> but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a good guest experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think anything that we can do to, to make travel easier and to, and to make it more profitable is, is good for everybody. And that's, and that's kind of what we're working on. So some people don't, so Sonder debuted as a public company today, and it's kind of like this blended, for anyone who doesn't know, sort of a blended sh short-term rental apartment. They have a clever leasing model on how they get the, the sometimes, it's, it's, sometimes it's a short-term rental, sometimes it's a hotel, but it's a hotel-like stay in all yeah. experiences. So what is it, so you, you mentioned it's taking labor out. Do you feel like that's the secret sauce? It's, it's the tech, their, their tech approach is what makes them different from other hospitality brands? Or? Well, well I, I think we have a shared vision of where, where this will all end up, but you know, so much of the operating cost of a hotel is is the staff, mm -hmm. and so much of the operational headaches of, of running a brand is the is the customer touch points and the staff touch points because you want to have your experience with any employee of the hotel be the, be consistent, especially across properties. So if you can take staff out, then you limit the complexity and you increase the consistency of the of the experience, and I, I think that's where everyone wants to go. So you said you have a sort of a shared vision. Like, what have hotel groups in the U.S. sort of left? Saunders mostly a U.S., although it's expanding internationally, and yeah. Lifehouse is mostly in the U.S. Uh, have they left? Have they left an opportunity open for you guys to take? Do you feel like their strategy has somehow left some white space, and and that's part of where you're fitting in? Or no, I think I think the big brand chains like I don't know Marriott has what 37 different hotel brands. You know, if they wanted to in invent a, a Sonder or a kayak um, competitor, they could. It's just, you know, they, they have a very traditional business. They have other problems to, to worry about, including legacy systems. So I think there's an opportunity for the platform companies, uh, the t platform tech companies, to move into the space and, and make everything standard. Mm -hmm. um, and particularly for independent hotels who can't afford to do it themselves. So platform tech companies may come into the independent hotel space and really reorganize Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So if you if you look at like what Toast is on the on the restaurant side, you know they're they're trying to build a restaurant operating system. Someone's going to do that on the hotel side too, and it makes sense for a platform company to do that that already has consumer demand because you can get the flywheel of adoption going more quickly. There's going to be a lot of investment analysts listening to this, and they're going to be re-rating a lot of companies after this. Uh, some, just a couple more questions yeah. for audience questions. So how, how can tourism boards work with Kayak is an audience question. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You just, you just reach out to us on our website, um, and we'll, we'll ask you a couple of questions like, what, what's, what's the goal? And you know, basically, we can give you as much airtime and screen time as you'd like, and we can, we can channel that to a demographic that you prefer. So, you know, we've, we've got, gosh, I want to say a billion queries or so to, to play around with. Um, so, you know, figure out what your budget is, what your target is, and how quickly you want it, and, and we can make it happen. Okay, and my uh, last audience question is that you said that Airbnb fills about 2% of your rooms. Uh, do you see that changing, going up or going down in the, in, in the next year or two? Well, I, I think it'll stay consistent because right now we're giving them the same pricing and availability we, we provide to our own channels. Um, but you know, within our ecosystem of brands, we're filling 80 to 85% of the rooms with our own demand. So there's not a lot of room for Airbnb to fill it. And if they start being a bigger part of our distribution, um, I think we'll, we'll change the pricing on them and make it more expensive <laughs> on Airbnb because, you know, right now it's left pocket, right pocket for us on the commission. We get to, we get to trouser it. 
Interesting. Steve, thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and for joining us today for Skift Megatrends. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Sean. Great to be here. Thanks for letting me bore you. <laughs> thank you.